Good to have you here on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us here on 3 and Out. The Braves and the Dodgers got together over the weekend. They played a little baseball. Freddie Freeman back in Atlanta in the ATL. That's what everybody was there to see. Everybody was, uh, Freddie's back. He's going to get his ring. And we'll go from there. So a big, big weekend there in uh, the ATL. And joining us right here off the uh, the jump to talk about it. Good friend of the show. Covers Braves baseball for a, a long time. Bud Ellis joins us here on 3 and Out. Bud, welcome, man. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Happy Monday. I guess if you're a Braves fan, it's probably not as happy of a Monday <laughs> as we thought it was going to be for 26 outs last night at Truist Park. But... Still, you know, I think the takeaway, and I've talked about this with people, you know, today at work, is you had a a good homestand. You went four and three against two very good teams. Yes, you would have liked to have gone five and two, but, you know, hey, the sun came up this morning, and uh, things are a lot better than they were, I think, the last time we talked about a month ago. Are you you glad it's over? God, yes. (laughs) I mean, mean, so so here's the thing, right? So I didn't get to go to the game Friday night or Saturday night. I went last night, and... It, it, it kind of hit me a little bit seeing Freddie come out for that first plate appearance in the top of the first inning and the ovation that he got and thinking about, you know, my kids who are adults now, you know, him being their favorite player when he was a kid. But, man, I, I, I echo what everybody has said on both sides of this. I'm glad, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad he got his ring. I'm glad the tears have been shed. Let's, let's move on. He's going to be there for the next five and a half years. You can't go back and change history. He's a Dodger. Let's play ball. But something like that, though, like when you think about, we we know it was going to be a tribute. We knew they was going to give him his ring. It felt like it went on for about for about three hours. <laughs> no, no, I Ben, I've never, and Ben, you know this as well as I do, being around, you know, ball at the highest level. Yeah, guys come back. They they, they you know they're honored by the crowd. You know, they're fan favorites. You know, the professional sports today is very transient. A lot of people obviously leave, play multiple organizations. You know, they come back, you know, some some receive more love than others, but I've, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like the uh, Friday pre-series press conference. That was, it was almost jarring to see that much emotion from from a guy who in his 12 years here was was relatively buttoned up and you know, didn't, you know, you know, wasn't really, you know, out as outward, certainly not as outward as we saw in that press conference on Friday, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know if I've ever seen a professional athlete leave and go someplace else and then come back and speak um, not just with reverence for the place where he used to be, but almost with, with a, with a tenseness of regret and almost sadness that he's still not there. And that, that was just very striking to me because, look, let, let's face it, it's not like Freddie Freeman left and, and ended up signing with the Pirates, no offense to the Pirates, or the A's. I mean, he signed with one of the marquee professional sports franchises, you know, on the continent, in the Dodgers. And they're really good. And they may win the World Series this year. And it, it was just, it, it, boy, fr- the whole weekend was just weird in a way. I'm, I'm kind of glad it's over. I, I'm glad it's over, but again, I'm, I guess it makes me the uh, the callous person in the room because look, I I, I love Freddie Freeman. 
Uh, I, what he did for the Braves is amazing. I wasn't in the, hey, you should boo him. I thought there would be some. And I think later in the series uh, there certainly was. But, man, I got to tell you, on, on Friday I was just like, I had another side coming out of me where I was like, man, enough with the crying. Like, I, it, like seriously. I, I get it was raw emotion, but it's like at the end of the day, a choice was made by you and your team, and you could have been here. Like, I, I, and I, oh. that doesn't take away anything that I feel for what you did for Atlanta, but I was just like, goodness, can we stop with the crying? Like, it was up to you. If you wanted to stay, you could have. And you see in the light of day, the, the offer you took versus the offer you were given basically was one year. That's it. And I and you know as well as I know, bud, that when that contract was up, if Freddie wanted to stay, they would have given it to him. So, I mean, I was just I, – I was like, hey, I appreciate what you did, but, man, can we can we calm down? I mean, that like you said, it looked like he was in physical pain, and it was like – that is a choice you made. Yeah, and, I, and and not to litigate this again because it's over. Thankfully, it's over. We'll all say amen, it's over. But to me, it was just, you know, again, kind of that realization of what maybe in Freddie's mind should have been. But at the end of the day, regardless of the two quote-unquote ultimatums that his agents give Alex Anthopoulos on that Saturday after the lockout, at the end of the day, and Ben, you know this, and anyone who's ever played pro ball knows this, the agents work for the player. It's not the other way around. And if a player really wants to be somewhere, then that player has every right in the world to make that happen and to drive that. And, and you know, the, the one example that always jumps out when this conversation happens is, you know, Andrew Jones negotiated an extension for the, you know, with the Atlanta Braves himself. And he went around his agent and bypassed his agent to do it. His agent is Scott Boris. If Andrew Jones can go around Scott Boris and get what he wants, Freddie Freeman, if he wanted to be here, absolutely could have done that. So I, 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 I am just like everybody else. I am so glad it's over. I can guarantee you this. When these teams play again this season, because I have a sneaky feeling they will, it will be in October and there will not be a love fest at Truist Park like there was this weekend for the former first baseman. I can promise you that. And, Bud, I mean, even to that end, I mean, when you look at what this Braves team could have done against this Dodgers team, regardless of everything that went on with Freddie Freeman, I do think the Dodgers do bring out the best in the Braves. It just it seems like the Braves have a problem finishing when they go up against the Dodgers team. I mean, what is your assessment of what you saw in this series? Yeah, I, I thought the series, and really to extrapolate that out a second to, to kind of broaden it from your question, is I thought this week was excellent for Atlanta. It was, it was high-caliber competition against two very good teams, two teams that you very well may see in October. I mean, would any of us be surprised if the Braves and Giants played in the first round and then the Braves had to run through the Dodgers to get back to the World Series? I know I wouldn't, but to your point, then this this rivalry, and it is indeed a rivalry now because you can't have a rivalry until both sides win, and we've seen that the last two Octobers in the NLCS. This rivalry is really something else. I mean, all the storylines aside, okay, Emerald, Jansen, Freeman, whoever, you've got two outstanding baseball teams, and, and I think they raise the level of each other's play when they meet. Those three games this weekend at Truist Park were outstanding. I know L.A. jumped on Ian Anderson early, but, you know, in Friday night's game, but that was a well-played game. 
Saturday was an incredible game to watch. It's one of those games if you didn't have, and really last night as well, if you weren't a fan of either team, that was enthralling baseball. There, there were a lot of moments throughout this entire week, and especially this weekend, where if it hadn't been you know, the surface of the sun hot here in Atlanta like it's been for the past week, you could close your eyes and you could almost feel October in the air. It really felt like postseason baseball. And I think that's a good thing for this Braves team because, again, 19-5 and in June, you can say what you want about the caliber of competition that they played early in the month. You play who's on the schedule. That's part of it. Guess what? The Mets have a soft schedule in late August, early September against a lot of those same teams, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and all. But, you know, to have a series, have two series back-to-back like this at home with the ball club finally rolling and playing the way that we thought that they were, I thought it would be a really good test. Four and three is a really good week. You can make the argument they should have won last night. Make the argument they should have lost Wednesday when they came back and scored three in the ninth to win. I think if you're a Braves fan, you feel really good about four and three, and that gives you momentum going into this week. Uh, certainly, Bud. And you look at uh, what's moving forward. We're about a month away from the trade deadline. Uh, Braves, to me, are in an interesting spot. you got Acuna now banged up a little bit. Ozzy's banged up. You've got pitching uh, depth sitting on the sidelines uh, that is set to come back. Uh, Soroka uh, and uh, some others uh, that can help you out in the bullpen. Tyler Matzik might be back, uh, you know, very soon. Uh, is this team a dealer at the deadline, or if you sit back and look at it, do you say I- I'm going to get a bat piece? I could get uh, a starting pitcher back, one maybe two uh, bullpen pieces of a high caliber. Where- where- where's the the conversation here if you're Alex Anthopoulos? I I think, you know, everybody looks to pick up bullpen pieces at the deadline, which means that makes the market crazy. And part of the reason I think Alex went all in on the bullpen was that he wouldn't be in a position like he was at in, in 2019 when he had to go out and get Chris Martin, Shane Green, and Mark Melanson in about a dizzying 30-hour stretch right before the deadline. You look at Tyler Matzik, rehab assignment with Augusta starts tomorrow. You look at the fact that Kirby Yates is a guy they signed in the offseason who led the NL in saves in 2019. He should be back at some point in time early to mid-August. And then, you know, I, I hate to be this guy to say it, but I'm not sure that Spencer Strider can give you six innings, seven innings every fifth day for the rest of the year. The kid has just not logged that type of inning workload really since high school. And with Mike Soroka coming off basically unprecedented back-to-back Achilles injuries and surgeries, I think if I'm the Braves and there's one thing that I would really want to target leading up to the trade deadline, I think it's got to be another starting pitcher. I really do. You feel awesome about Kyle Wright and the progress he's made. Charlie Morton has looked fantastic his past three starts. And Max Fried is an ace. But... Ian Anderson, for whatever reason, just has had a lot of trouble really getting it going this year. And especially if the Strider innings thing becomes a thing later in the year, which I I think it's going to have to at some point in time, I don't know if you can count on Mike Soroka to give you 10 starts and be at a point where he can give you five and six quality innings. That's a lot to ask for a kid who's only thrown a couple competitive innings since the end of 2019. So, if I'm the Braves, I'm definitely look definitely happy that it seems like there's going to be some key cogs to this team coming back in July and in August. Rosario on a rehab assignment. You know, the thinking is obviously back in the late August. The pitchers that we mentioned, 
I think they need another starter, Kev. I really do. And, Bud, how much of a concern is this situation with our Ronald Acuna? I was there. It was a fluke thing. I mean, it happens. I mean, a rare thing. But how concerned should Braves fans be as far as, like, a guy like Acuna who won? You want to be out there, but you know when it comes to him and his injuries, they kind of treat him a little different than everybody else on the roster. Yeah, you know, Ben, and, and I think that's part of the whole plan of, of him coming back. I mean, obviously we know he's a generational athlete, and he's, he's, he's just out of this world in a lot of ways. And I, I think there's some of us who watched him go down on the warning track in Miami the second Saturday in July last summer. And if you'd have told us that on June 27th we'd be talking about a guy who had almost 200 plate appearances already this year, we wouldn't have believed it, right? So, you know, there's, there's going to be some things that happen. Yeah, you foul a ball off your foot. It's sore for a couple days. If they get to a point where, you know, with the off day today, if, if he can't go for the first game or two in Philadelphia, I think at that point they might look to 10-day IL him just because at that point he will have already been on the shelf for three or four days. I don't look at it as a concern per se because what happened Saturday night, for those who missed, he fouled a ball right off the top of his foot in the third inning, and it started aching and throbbing and swelling as the game went on. And that can happen to anybody. But we've seen them be cautious with Ronnie to a certain extent. But then as the ball club took off in early June, he got into that rhythm of playing in right field every day. Again, he is, I think, three and a half, four weeks away from the one-year anniversary of having the, the knee surgery. So I don't mind kind of a little bit of a cautious approach because, let's face it, yeah, you want him on the field every game because he's a difference maker. Again, he's one of the top five players in baseball, in my opinion. But if there's a little soreness there, and we saw it with the quad, and we saw it with a couple other of the lower body parts as he began to ramp up once he came back at the end of April, then I think you're still a little cautious with him because you're going to need this guy down the stretch. Remember, starting July 11th, you got 15 games against the Mets in a nine-week span. That, in my opinion, is going to win or lose the division title for Atlanta, and you got to have number 13 at the top of the order playing right field in all 15 of those games, I think. I certainly do. Bud Ellis joining us here on 3 and Out. And Bud, since the weekend uh, that we were coming off of uh, just happened, it's only, to me, uh, apropos to ask, you know, with Freddie uh, and his return, and you start to look ahead and say, you know, there's a dude playing shortstop that's going to want some huge jack, right? Uh, the way he's playing right now. Austin Riley's done well. Max Fried, you said, legitimately an ace. Can you afford to pay all those guys? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And, it, and, it's, and, it, and it's honestly interesting because in the past week, my youngest son, who is somewhat of a sports fan but not a huge sports fan, has asked me that question. My oldest son, who is absolutely a sports nut like I am, has asked me the question. The guy sitting at the game with me last night asked me that question, and someone Saturday on the golf course asked me that question. And my answer is the same. I don't know, because when I look at Dansby Swanson, and obviously his first two and a half weeks were as bad as it gets, but since then, you can make the argument he's been one of the top three or four players in the National League. And just what he brings, the leadership, the defense, the base running, the stolen bases, the counting stats this year, hitting in the clutch. He's a, he's a, he won in college. He's won in the pros now. I tell you what, you look at Xander Bogarts, you look at Trey Turner, they're the top of the shortstop class. I'll be doggone if Dancy Swanson might not be right there kind of nipping at the heels of being the third person in that kind of first-class group of shortstops this offseason. Those guys are going to command a six-year deal. They're, you know, you know, 
you know, Dansby's went from being a guy you might be able to get for like $18 million a year for five years to a 22 to $25 million a year guy for six years, if not a little longer. And I just don't see the Braves doing that. I think priority number one in the offseason, obviously you would love to keep Dansby because Vaughn Grissom's at least two years away. And we all know prospects are prospects until they come up here and they start playing every day. Unless their name's Michael Harris, and then they're golden, right? Right. I think that the I think in the off season, the priority has got to be see what you can do with Dansby. You've got to get Max Fried locked up. They've got time on Austin Riley, and I'll tell you what. Speaking of Harris, remember Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna had played one full season in the major leagues, and in April of 2019, Alex has locked both of those guys up. And I can't believe I'm saying this because he's only been up in the majors for about a month. Michael Harris, 107 plate appearances in the major leagues. If I could lock him up in the offseason, I wouldn't think twice about doing it because, like Ronald, that kid is super special. You do all of that, I don't know if there's enough to sign Dancy Swanson this offseason. But, hey, there's 42,000 in the ballpark every night and potentially another long postseason run. Payrolls went up a bunch the last four years. We'll see what happens. And Bud, finally, when you think, I mean, with all that being said, I mean, people always talk about the farm system of the Braves, and obviously, you know, you look at a guy like Ronald Acuna, you look at, you know, you, you talk about different guys that have been called up. Michael Harris, I mean, he is he is he the exception to the rule? No triple A, no double A. Hey, Mike, what? We need you to come up here. We need you to play uh, center field. We need you to go out there and make catches. We need Andrew Jones to be looking in, in the, at the ballpark saying things like, wow. Then the plate appearances. Have you seen a guy – that come onto the scene, maybe an Austin Riley to be this lights out on defense, and his offense seem to be, uh, you know, uh, definitely complimenting his uh, his glove right now. You know, I he made he made a catch in extra innings last night, running into the gap in right center, and my first thought was, and, and I've watched, I've been lucky enough to watch Michael play four or five times since he's been called up. It's the first time I've gotten an opportunity to lay eyes on him. His reads. His first jump, I haven't seen anybody like that since a 19-year-old kid raced through the Braves system in 1996 and ended up homering twice in Yankee Stadium in the World Series, and that's Andrew Jones. Michael Harris is unbelievable defensively. And when I sit here and I think about, okay, here's a kid who's the youngest player in the major leagues. He's hitting at the bottom of the order, but he's also hitting for the defending World Series champions, much like Andrew was, you know, hitting sixth and seventh in the order for those 96 Braves who were the defending World Series champions. And, and, and I just look at Michael and I just see someone who I think has the potential to be a cornerstone piece of this bunch. And I've not seen anything. Again, I just said a couple minutes ago, I would seriously consider trying to see if he would be open to getting locked up in the off season. Now this would be considering if he plays the rest of this year in the major leagues, he would have basically four months of major league service time. That's how sold I am on this kid. We're a little spoiled here, this fan base, because guys like Acuna, guys like Harris, guys who develop in a year or two, like Albies, Freed, eventually Swanson, it doesn't usually go that smoothly with heralded prospects when you have a loaded farm system. You know, just ask Oakland fans what they think of Christian Pache right now. No sense to that young man, but I don't know if he's ever going to be able to hit in the majors. And he was going to be your center fielder for a decade here not too long ago, if you remember. But I think Michael Harris is that guy. I really do.
Yeah, he's not going back down. Bud Ellis, uh, joining us here <laughs> on uh, 3 and Out. Bud, we appreciate it, man. Thanks much. All right, boys. Take care. We appreciate it. Bud Ellis joining us here talking some Braves baseball. We'll come back with more 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out on this Monday. Catch us on line at ESPNCoastal.com. You can also find us streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. ESPN Coastal there on YouTube. I encourage you to join us. And, of course, all across the radio network in Savannah, in Brunswick, and Waycross. Uh, you can join us each and every day here on 3 and Out. Uh, ben, we just talked about it a lot with, with Bud Ellis. I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, there was a lot of talk. Leading up to the Freddie Freeman, he got the big ovation. He got the video tribute. He actually got a few minutes to to talk to the crowd, uh, which, as, as you were talking, that normally doesn't happen. Uh, he had the emotional press conference, the emotional time in in the stadium, and then you got down to baseball, and you did have some boos of uh, Freddie Freeman as the series uh, went on. But in retrospect, are you glad it's over? Or, I mean, how, how do you? I, I feel like a lot of folks are like, "Thank God the the Dodgers are out of town, and we can move on." I mean, Kevin, at first, the, the, the pre-press conference, the, he walks in, walks out. Then you start saying, okay, we know there's going to be a tribute. Then he gets to talk to the fans. It, it, it's almost like they kept replaying it. Because, Kevin, once again, Freddie Freeman has been a lot, 12 years. Sure. MVP, World Series, clutch player, just super-duper consistent. But it's almost like they did it the day before, and it and it and it it kept going on the day of the game. It's like I'm like, okay, number one, Freddie is very emotional for a guy that didn't show zero emotion. Like, sure. hey man, now but now coming from a guy who I, I don't know what it's like to play for an organization for 12 years to mean that much to an organization. So I'm not mad at the emotion, but I do agree, Kevin. It was it's I think about Truist Park, and they say, okay, how do we do his tribute? Because in their mind, well, we've never done this. Like, this this, this is our first time, you know, showing appreciation to a player of this caliber in this age. I will say this, though. Kevin, when it was over, it's like you was going, dude, we still got a whole game to go through <laughs> from, from hugging Dansby to hugging Snit to hugging Chipper to, to saying how many – I don't know how many times he can say, I love the fans, I love the city, I love this organization. Now, if you are the Dodgers, you say to yourself – Dude, like, he know he got on Dodger Blue, right? Yeah. I did sense a little bit because, Kevin, I don't think I don't think he regrets not being a Brave more than he regrets leaving this type of culture. This type of culture is rare. Sure. And Freddie was like, hey, dude, these boys still having fun. We did it. Most – I don't know what Alex Anthopoulos told Freddie Freeman when he first became the general manager. I don't know if he told him, look, man, I know the type of player you are. I'm going to do my best to bring you a ring. I don't know what those conversations was like. But Alexandopoulos cried when, when he realized we're not bringing Freddie Freeman back. So Freddie Freeman means a lot to a lot of people. But my goodness, <laughs> like, I mean, it took a long time to, yeah, finally, to finally get to, you know, thank God Freddie ain't long-winded. Like, he likes, hold on for a second. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I want to get this off my chest. But, yes, Kevin, I, I, the games were incredible, by the way. The, sure. I mean, the series was incredible. But I do think that a guy like Freddie Freeman deserved it. I think if anybody has earned it, Kevin, we talked before the show about, you know, when Dirk had his last year or Kobe had his last year, certain guys are just bigger than the game, especially when you did it as a lifer. So, hey, man, shout out to Freddie Freeman, but I will say it was uncharted territory for everybody involved because Pache and Peterson and 
you know, and Solaire, give it, give it to him. Let's go play. Yeah. Take a couple of pictures, you know, Mr. Pearls, whatever. Yeah. With Freddie, it's like, hey, man, how much time do we get him? Somebody go, I don't know, as much as he wants. What? Yeah. Yeah, because, because so I think it was more or less, Kevin, we didn't, they didn't know how to really handle it because they want to see welcoming. By not giving him too much time, it's like, what was that in between? I, I guess I guess they got it right. But if Freddie Freeman ever come back to true us again, take <laughs> your behind over to the dugout and let's play. We ain't doing this again. No, I, look, the game already last three hours. Jesus. Yeah, no, I, look, I, I, I said it on Friday because I was like, look, th- this is one of those things where, yeah, it was gut-wrenching to watch. And, you know, obviously Atlanta means a lot. So much so. That, I mean, you have Clayton Kershaw talking on, I think it's somebody's podcast, basically going, man, I hope we aren't second fiddle over here. Like, you know, it's like, hey, we're trying to compete for a World Series uh, here with the Dodgers. But like you said, ben, it, it was surreal because it went on, and at, at one point you're like, man, like he knows he's wearing the other uniform, right? Like, like, like it's just one of those things where it felt like, and people made note of this, like, man, it really feels like from watching it play out, like Freddie feels like he screwed up. Like he, uh, again, the reaction to me was a guy that I, if nothing else, is probably not happy with the way it played out. Right? I'm not saying he doesn't like being in LA. He's a California guy. I'm just saying he's probably a guy that is not happy with the way it played out, i.e., the ultimatum, the we'll see you later. Uh, we traded before, we traded for your replacement already. And, I'm not saying he wants to be in Atlanta. He probably does. But he definitely feels like it came across to me like he's a guy that's like, I really want to still be here. And he's not. And I'm not saying that in the light of day, like, hey, you had to move on. But he ain't over it. I will say that. Uh, You know, and I think for me, it was just a matter of being like, come on, man. Like, I know it's emotional. But at the end of the day, the person to blame for Freddie Freeman not being here is at least 50% the guy wearing number five, right? I mean, I I think Bud said it brilliantly. You said it last week when you said, look, I had an agent. And if my agent came to me and I said, look, I'm with the Tennessee Titans. I really want to stay here if they want me. And he said, nope, we're not, not doing it. I think you'd be, you know, upset about that. Like the agent works for you. And so I, I look at it and say, hey, I think in the back of his mind, he never thought it wasn't going to happen. It's just a business thing. And then your agent does something that's probably regrettable now in the light of day. And you really, at the end of the day, didn't get a much better deal. I mean, you just that, that's the facts. I mean, you, you, you didn't. Yep. Uh, after, after cost of living taxes, Atlanta to California, deferred money, all, like you, you didn't get a much better deal. To leave, nope. and to me, it felt like a guy that was generally upset that he wasn't playing in Atlanta. I'm not I'm, again. I'm not saying he's not trying in L.A. and he doesn't want to be like he's there. He's a California, but he seemed like a guy. Unless it's all fake, which is why I was like, "Look, just quit with the, with the crying. We get it." But it just seems like a guy that wasn't ready to move on, right? Like, and yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah. want to move on, but it's like, yeah, he was a guy that still I. I to me, comes across as still wanting to be in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a look, I'm not a uh, I'm not a body language uh, expert or anything like that. 
But Kevin, sometimes, you know, you think you want you want what you feel as though you've earned. I get it. Freddie Freeman wanted a big contract, and he got and he got off of the big contract. And when you start saying you, you didn't want to be a brave as much as the Braves wanted you to be a brave, because they offered you five million dollars more than the highest paid uh, first baseman in baseball. That to me is more more than to be a brave lifer, and you chose to move on. Sometimes, Kevin, you know, uh, you leave a situation because you think you're going to a better situation, right? Um, that doesn't – you thinking that is better, and then you coming back and realizing, dude, I gave this up. Like, I grew up as a grown man. I went from a young man to a grown man in Atlanta. 12 years is a long time. And I was here through the thick and the thin, through the good and the bad, through the ups and the downs, and we finally made it. MVP, then World Series, then I'm getting to groom these young guys. I went from the youngest guy to one of the older, to one of the elder statesmen, and now I come back, Kevin, and you start to say to yourself, dude, now <laughs> nobody really, nobody really know but Mrs. Freeman, right? And obviously, you got to say all the right things, sure. but. You leaving that thing going, dude, number one, I make less money, right? <laughs> a, a lot less money, right? Um, I'm a, I'm an incredible player, right? I'm still the best first base in the baseball, but when you talk about the Dodgers, you know, I mean, you know, Hunter, you know, Kershaw, I mean, you got some big names out there. But in a place like L.A., right, it's a bunch of stars out here. It's stars everywhere. That go LeBron walking down the street. Oh, that go Lincoln Riley. You know, it's, it's guys everywhere. In Atlanta – Take away nothing. Let's see. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the face. I was that dude. What's up, Freddie? What's up, Freddie? So I do think, Kevin, he came back and realized, dude, I made a mistake. Like, I, I didn't upgrade. They just, we just beat this. It, it's like people saying, oh, man, uh, oh, uh, Steph Curry and company won the championship without Kevin Durant. Oh, they won one without him the first time. Yeah, they had our, there was already a championship. They're not a championship caliber team. They had won it. But then they face LeBron, and they didn't want to deal with him. With, with, with a guy like Freddie Freeman, you saying, dude, what did you do besides go out west? I just think that, Kevin, like I said, if you ever want to know how real that culture was with the Braves, just look at Freddie. He can barely get a word out. True. He can barely get a word. Because in his mind, he's going, dude, like, I let the business get in the way. And I and, and I had leverage. Most guys they want to negotiate, but they don't really got a lot of leverage. They're kind of going to take who's going to get up, be the highest highest bidder, and they're going to probably get a lot of money to go to a bad team. That's usually how it goes. With yeah. him, with, with Freddie Freeman, hey, dude, we're going to do right by you. Five million dollars more, you know, in the highest paid first baseman. Let's let's do it. Would you yeah. want to come on to the stadium right now? Sign? He's like, no, I'm away. What? Yeah, you're not going to sign it. So hey, at the end of the day, Kevin, as much as he listen, I'm a Braves fan for life. You ain't gonna catch me in nothing but an A-town fit <laughs> or, or a big bucket hat. So th- at the end of the day, Kevin, listen, Freddie, we listen, Freddie, we've won it with you. Can we win it without you? That is the question of the year. Well, I mean, we'll see. It was just an odd, odd weekend <laughs> all the way. I mean, it was. It really was it from was. from the emotion of all. We got more to come. Speaking of odd, just man, NIL continues to be just amazing. We'll break it down with the latest when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Streaming live, ESPNCoso.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The college football offseason continues to just be nuts. Uh, you had uh, Tennessee uh, has a quarterback who was assigned a huge uh, NIL deal. Uh, and now you have a commit to Miami 
getting an NIL deal worth $9.5 million, and a deal reportedly done by Miami uh, booster John Ruiz, who, uh, Ben, we've talked a lot, has a company dedicated to handing out NIL deals to Miami athletes. That's what he wants to do. But $9.5 million over the life of his time there uh, at Miami, believed to be the largest NIL deal to date. And I guess my question to you is, and maybe people will say, well, this is it, but what is the actual market here? I mean, $9 million for a quarterback as, you know, as Christian told me during the break, and obviously I understand that, but uh, is, you know, every time a new NIL deal get uh, gets signed, that's the new going rate for, uh, you know, five-star quarterback. Don't have to like that, I guess, but I mean, what is the market here for for guys who have not played in, in, in college football? And again, I'm only saying this because I'm all about athletes getting the money. I've always been like, I just don't want it to be a slush fund where we're just paying guys to try to uh, try to get guys, which is what you're not supposed to be doing. It's hey, after you after you sign, you're good, what have you. But nine and a half million dollars, and then I will I was I will just say this. I mean, look no further than the University of Georgia, where you've had Justin Fields, you've had uh, you know JT Daniels. These are guys that were five star quarterbacks. Didn't even finish uh, in the state uh, at the University of Georgia. I'm not saying they're not good quarterbacks. I'm just saying that's just one example. And you can look all over college football at guys who are four- and five-star quarterbacks who don't finish where they start and or guys who are four- and five-star quarterbacks who never end up starting at a lot of places in college football. So now with NIL deals, and I know we've had several different people on say, hey, ROI maybe comes to this at some point. But $9.5 million, Ben, for a guy who is playing, I guess by my count, has got another year of high school football to play. <laughs> that, does that, I mean, does that seem right? I, I, and I, I was talking with Christian. He was like, look, that's over the life of the deal. Okay, fine. That's $3.1-something million a year. They're backup quarterbacks in the NFL that don't make that. I, I, when you see stuff like that, Ben, where are we in determining how this plays out, or is it just simply – the big boys who want quarterbacks, you're going to hear this every time. Hey, so-and-so has signed, and two minutes after the fact, they've got an NIL deal. Wink, wink, nod, nod, because we negotiated it so quickly. Uh, they've got an NIL deal for seven, $8 million. I mean, is that is that what we're talking about? I, I, again, if it is, more power to the student-athletes, I guess, but to me, it's, it seems like we're not dealing in a realistic marketplace at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, you got what alternative reality, uh, uh, you know, a uh, virtual reality, and you got NIL irregularities. I, I guess at this point, Kevin, this comes down to what the boosters want to do, because the situation that I'm not managing with shot a kid down there in Miami. Somebody want to give you nine point five million dollars? The answer was yes. I want. I'm going to the U. But it's like you said, Kevin, the return on investment. See, the thing about it is this. People say, well, uh, people people give a bunch of money to professional athletes all the time, but they don't pan out. Yeah, but they are professional athletes. They get paid. So now you're talking about NIL deals. I am not mad at the player. I am mad at the people around him. You start you start saying to yourself, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give nine point five million. Then you got all this all this stuff coming out saying, you know, Florida allegedly, you know, Gators Collective allegedly, uh, you know, offered eleven million. Uh, they come out and made a statement saying that is not true. Because this is the thing, right? We don't even know what Arch Manning going to get. We know he's going to get something, but we don't know what that something is. Kevin, 
welcome, welcome to Thomas and Troop Booster INC. <laughs> we want, we want, we want player X to come to this school. They say he want nine point five million. Nine point five million what dollars to do what to go play to go play what football? L- listen to me, people. L- listen. Mario Cristobal don't make nine point five million. Well, he make nine point five. He don't. He make. He don't make. He makes that way. He makes what eight million a year. Something so like that. Give, yeah. He's gonna essentially give this guy. He could potentially be making more than the assistant coaches for sure. Yeah, let's just move it away from the player for a second. If you are, if you are the quarterback of twenty twenty four, and you want to go to the U, is your starting price nine point six, nine point seven? Because that's what you're really doing, and. The booster comes out and says, "Quote: Rashada chose Miami over Florida because he wants to win national championship." Well, that was the uh, that was that the lawyer uh, that, the that lawyer. said that. Yeah. And, and I said to myself, "In what? In <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's just say that's the case. Let's just say that's the case. The thing about NIL is, Kevin, this is a buyer's market. If you are a quarterback, if you're a quarterback, sure. top tier, you got a shot. But hasn't it always been like that? The top, the top quarterbacks." Always get all the, you know, they get all the fanfare, they get all the attention, they get all the exposure. I'm not mad at that. But once again, how do you explain the money compared to the results? Because that's what you're paying for. I'm paying for a certain result, right? So when people start saying, hey, man, why do certain players command certain dollars? Because one, they got the experience, they got the resume, they got the time in, and they're superstars. NIL players are none of those things. They're not superstars yet, right? They're, they're, they're one of the best high school football players in the country. Usually, the five-star athletes don't turn out to be the best college players. Why? Because you have more three-stars, two-stars than five-stars. So I think that at the end of the day, I think if you are a player, get as much money as you can. But do understand this. Understand what you're signing. See, there are NIL deals that say, hey, man, we got we got exclusivity to you. You can't sign with nobody else. And, and see, what happens is, Kevin, this is what people don't talk about. Unless mommy and daddy really understand about contracts and signing different things, they don't know what they're signing either because the money's so big. And then they say, you know, you could be violating all other kind of stuff. That's- I Once again, I am not mad at the players, the student athletes going out there getting all they can get. But, but you got to know that Man, they paying for a certain result. Mario Cristobal saying things like, man, we've got, we've had all kinds of quarterbacks come through here. Stop it. <laughs> no, you have not. Vinny, the Vinny Testaverdes and all that, they ain't come to Ken Dorsey's. They ain't coming through there. The Mark Ritz. No. What's happening is now is you getting a big-time quarterback, right, for $9.5 million. And think about this. Now the whole world knows the young man's getting $9.5 million to go to go to Miami. Just as soon as Right, they lose a the game. He has a bad series. He makes a bad. He has a bad throw. Here it comes because I'm telling you, once you pay people, I am paying for a. I am paying for an end result, a certain level of results. You know how I know? Every time you drop a pass in the NFL, hey man, we can pay a dude off the street to drop it. We pay <laughs> you to catch it, or to make the throw, or to make the tackle, or to make the pick, or, or to make the block. So now, Kevin, NIL, in a nutshell, is name and image leverage, people. Yep. If you got leverage, you better use it. And right now, Rashada got $9.5 million, but we'll see. Yep. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I ain't mad at him. We got to go. Uh, three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. 
Glad they were uh, making us a part of your day. We got take three coming up right around uh, the corner as uh, we'll hit some quick topics uh, there, Ben. Certainly, we'll continue to look at uh, Freddie Freeman's return to Atlanta. NIL deals and how do they affect things moving forward, uh, Ben? Not in terms of college football, but well, guys stay in college because the money's better, right? <laughs> potentially, depending on what position uh, you play. We'll get to that coming up in uh, an hour number two as well. But Ben, we're out of time. I Sorry, you don't get to talk this segment. <laughs> uh, okay, well, here we go. Hey, we'll, we'll come back. Take three around the corner all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Catch us streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Love to hear from you on Twitter as well, at Pigskin Radio, at Pigskin Radio. Take three around the corner. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It's hour two here of three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. We'll certainly look at uh, NIL and uh, college football. And if certain trends continue, not amongst all players, because I think uh, Ben has said numerous times, look, you hear about the million-dollar deals. You never hear about the $1,000 deals uh, that are out there in, in college athletics, which is probably a lot of them, and that's true. But the million-dollar deals could become more and more frequent given, you know, college coaches' propensity to want the five-star quarterbacks, uh, et cetera, et cetera, on their campus. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's take three Ben here on 3 and Out. All right, Ben, take one. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, apparently. At least two of them definitely want new teams. Kevin Durant's just not talking to the Nets, apparently. And we know how this has gone. Collections of talent. I mean, that's how the Nets came together, right, Ben? The, the collections of talent in the, in the NBA to form that super team. So that being said, where's the next super team going to fall? We've seen it with the Nets. didn't come to reality. We saw it with Golden State for a hot minute. Obviously, the Lakers tried to do one. The Heat have done one. We, we, we've seen it. Where's the next kind of super team? Ooh, 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 ooh. So, Kevin, I will say... DeAndre Aiden no longer wants to be a Phoenix Sun. I think if a guy like, you know, uh, Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook find themselves in a team like the Phoenix Suns and go along with Devin Booker, that's a super team, right? If Kyrie Irving goes to L.A. and he gets back with LeBron, that's a super team. You don't need but two of them. If he goes back to L.A. with LeBron, that's a super which lets you know everything that was going on in Cleveland is a big bunch of nonsense, right? But I just think that just say, because uh, Kevin Durant, they seem to think that he he wants out, right? If you don't think for one second that Golden State will try to reconnect with Kevin Durant, you've lost your mind. He would go back out there. Oh, he would. So for me, Kevin, Phoenix, L.A. If Kyrie goes to L.A., uh, obviously Golden State. But if Giannis can add another superstar, it's over with. If Giannis add one more superstar to go along with him and Middleton, because remember, Middleton got hurt in the playoffs, and that kind of messed up their series. If they, they add another superstar, Kevin, once again, um, Trey Young, I know you say, what about Atlanta? Well, what about it? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, That's true. I, listen, I, I hope I hope Trey gets like a Bradley Bill. You know, they say, they say, they say, uh, they say, they, they say the dudes from San Antonio might be a go, Kevin. They might be getting ready to trade for him. The guy from San Antonio, but they said, uh, Oh, John Collins is not a part of the deal. Yeah, Jonte Murray. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. Uh, and they would maybe trade uh, Bogdanovich. Man, what a steal of a deal that would be! <laughs> if you get Murray, you keep John yeah. Collins, and you get rid. I mean, and again, I'm not that not that Bogdanovich is uh, is a bad player, but 
I mean, you keep your you keep your uh, scoring big and have two guards uh, that, that, that can get it done. I think that would be huge uh, if it happens. But, yeah, I don't know if Atlanta will ever be the landing spot for stars to collide because people no, we've like – No, we've already, had, uh, yeah. we've already had the best record in the East, and what happened to that team? They just dismantled. People like to party in Atlanta. They don't want to play in Atlanta, apparently, is, uh, is how it goes. We play soccer in Atlanta now. It's called Atlanta United. That doesn't count. All right, moving along, take two. <laughs> moving along, take two. Ole Miss won the College World Series over the weekend. They were the last team in of the, uh, the field of 64. They got the last bid to get into the NCAA baseball playoffs. They go to the College World Series. They win it. So Ole Miss is your national champion. We've seen teams, last one of the last four teams in, VCU, they've gone to. The final four. We've seen teams do it in, in, in basketball. Is this yet another case? If for some reason people think, you, I guess you can't apply it to football, but is that another case for expanding the playoff field in college football that we've kind of locked ourselves in like, oh, there's only like five teams that can win it. We don't need to expand it. What say you? Yes, Kevin. I mean, it's parody. Not the parody uh, that Nick Saban talking about because I, I don't know what sure. he's talking about. But yes, Kevin, because this is the thing, right? you telling me you know, you got 130 teams, and it comes down to four. That's not parity. That's not even fair. Like, no. Six, listen, if we're being honest, 16 still isn't a real true uh, depiction of a, 130, but it gets you closer, right? Because sure. now all five P5s matter. Now now, now the, the playoff games and whoever the second and third best team in those, in those conferences, automatic bids. And once again, if somebody would have said, if somebody would have said, Kevin, who who you think gonna win it all come out of SEC? Everybody would have said Tennessee, 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 right? Tennessee didn't make it to Omaha, right? Yeah. So I, I think I think that when you start thinking about baseball, basketball, are true depictions of a the reason why we play as hard as we do, and we got an NCAA, and we got a tournament right before you know we start talking about regionals and super regionals, is because guys have to run the gauntlet. Then if we make it in the regionals, then we make it to the super regionals, then we make it to Omaha. Anything can happen. Playoff. Postseason, anything does not compare to the regular season. Tennessee went undefeated against Oklahoma and Ole Miss. So you got to do it when it matters. So I do think yep. Kevin, it, it, definitely, it definitely, it definitely makes you scratch your head because I think what do what do the big boys got something to be afraid of? Alabama losing, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio. exactly. <laughs> well, I mean that's that's what I, I agree. I, I'm not saying it should go to 64. I know there are people that say, "Oh, we should no, have a no, 64 no, no, team." That, no, that's that, ridiculous. That, that's no, but no, I do think more than four. I, and I've yeah, been a oh, proponent of that. Think about it, Kevin. It's almost like if somebody goes, "Okay, man, you got 130 options right here. Yeah, you, you get to pick four out of the 130. What? Yeah, four. Because the thing is, right? If somebody said if you if I gave you four times to get it right out of one thirty or sixteen times to get it right, I, I'll go with the sixteen because I think sometimes the quote undefeated seasons ain't created equal. Just because you've lost in your conference don't mean you ain't the best team in the country. And just because you know the, you know sometimes Kevin, it takes sixteen teams getting in to say I'm telling you this team would have a problem. You don't believe me? Why no. won't teams that why won't teams out of out of conference uh, uh, schedule the Sun Belt? Cause they'll take your money and your dub and the dub. <laughs> you, you don't, you don't yeah. want to mess with them. So I think that for me, and I hope we get to the point where what do we? Number one, it's more games, games sure. that we want to see, 
not three or four bowl games on one day that, that unless you got, you know, a horse in that fight, I mean, a dog in that fight or whatever, you're going to go out there and even watch them. 16 teams to me is the right thing to do because the cream was a rise to the top. And if you get in the tournament and you lose, and you just quote one of the blue bloods, so what? Like, yes, basketball gets bailed out every single year. A blue blood or, or – no, I a, mean, a look, I, I think the NCAA tournament is, is wonderful because, again, are there Cinderella stories? Yes, but by and large, you still get at least two – of the best teams all year long in college basketball are going to make it. Yes. And sometimes yes. three, you know, look, I, I, I look at it no different. Like college baseball was, was Ole Miss the best team in the regular season? Nope. But when it came time for, for the tournament play, they stepped up and, and, and got it done. That's kind of, that's why you have a tournament, right? Uh, is to throw a bunch of teams in there who played really well and see what happens. I, I think with college football, to me, you look at the intrigue of the baseball and basketball postseason. You say, look, could it be as intriguing with just a few more teams? I think it could. And it's something you said I, I think is absolutely true. Uh, everybody said, oh, well, playoff. I think we're kind of coming around as, to uh, to it. But he was like, oh, these playoff games usually aren't that good. I'm sorry. I mean, Ben, if, if Alabama and Cincinnati played in the regular season, do you think it would have been better than the playoff game? I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I, well, does Alabama still win? Yeah. But, I mean, look. The only way teams, again, it's no different. The only way programs learn how to win championships is to play championship caliber teams, right? I mean, you, you, every once yeah. in a while, you got to get your head kicked in. It's no well, different. I mean, look, look, it's no different from youth sports to college sports to pro sports, right? If you are the, who do you want to say is the worst team? The the Browns or the Arizona Cardinals? Like, if you want to. See what it takes to win a championship. If you're Arizona, you need to figure out how to beat the the, the, the L.A. Rams, right? That yeah. like the, you go up against them and say this is the, these are the guys holding the ring. Yeah. If you want to win a yeah. championship and you're the Atlanta Falcons, figure out how to beat the goat. And I mean, Tom I mean, Brady, and, like that, and, that's and, and, and that's what makes you better. You got to you have to put together a franchise to beat those teams. Same thing in college football. You know what Alabama's got. You see what it takes to win. Hey, we were a touchdown short. What do we need? Well, we need to be a little bit better on the offensive line, a little bit better here, and, and maybe we make a run at it. But you're never going to know that if you, unless you get a chance. And, again, I think, uh, as you said, playoff anything is better than regular season anything. Yes, hands it, down. it is. And you get a chance You get, you get a chance to see, depending on what part of the country you live in, what, what decide your vested interest in that said conference. We get that part. You're in the Midwest, you're going to watch me. You're in the West Coast, East Coast. But Kevin, this is this is what I be talking about when I say, man, you get a chance to find talent. The highest paid linebacker to ever play football for for the highest paid contract. What 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 school you think he went to? The highest paid linebacker in NFL history. What school you think he went to, Kevin? The highest paid linebacker. In, I mean, I'm talking I about for. I'm not not the most money made. I'm talking about for a said contract. What he signed for. And you tell me. I'm trying to go through all the contracts. Uh, that would be a one Darius Leonard. He went to South Carolina State. Here's here's another fine fact: the most for, the most forced fumbles in NFL history would be by a one Robert Mathis out of Alabama A&M. Now those type of players won't get a chance to be you know to play in, you know in the college football playoff, but those but those but those type of teams get in because you start saying, "Hey man, I'm telling you, for one game." You could throw out everything. Like for one game, oh, Alabama can be beat. It's one game. 
because everybody wants to go back to, oh, okay, um, if that's not the case, why don't you want 16 in? If 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 you're not afraid, quote, here's a thought. If old um, even though even though he even though he he went to a big brand, if Lincoln, you know, Lincoln Riley goes over to USC, he wins the Pac-12. Because of his prestige, they get in the college football playoff. And they beat Alabama, they beat Georgia, they beat Clemson, they beat Ohio State. People gonna be saying, Oh, I said and people are like, oh man, because no, it's because they got a shot to get in. But they're also USC. You know who would never get in unless they win the East? That would be the USC game cops. <laughs> they ain't getting in. Ain't that crazy? That's probably true. They're not getting in. So we, we'll see Kevin, but for me, I think it should be 16 because I want to see the caliber of games because they won Sauce Gardner was the fourth overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft because he never gave up a touchdown in college football and he played Alabama and Georgia in back-to-back years. I'm just saying, man, give these these teams a chance to get in. If you're scared, say you're scared. (laughs) Anybody going to say they're scared? Not public. (laughs) All right, moving on, then we end on a light note. I say a light note because it's not really light. But it, uh, it is it is good. All right, today is National Ice Cream Cake Day. That's not light. That's a heavy, sweet dessert. Where does it rank, though, on the Ben Troop dessert scale, the ice cream cake? I mean, it, it, definitely, it, it definitely makes the round of, uh, what, the round of 25 or 25? I don't know. It's in there, Kevin. It's in there. But if you would have asked me my favorite desserts, it would, it would, that would never come up. I can count how many times on one hand how many ice cream cakes I've had in my life. I put ice cream on top of cake, but it's just a straight ice cream cake. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I mean, I'm a, as a as a as a connoisseur of the ice cream. It ain't the ice cream cake. I mean, if somebody had ice cream cake, I would be like, oh, okay. Like I don't go crazy. I ain't gonna lose my mind. So, Kevin, it definitely makes the list way down the list. Like. I've never known anybody that's, quote, known for ice cream cakes. I know people that's known for cakes or cookies or pies or, or brownies or whatever. I mean, what y'all making ice cream cake? It's hot as hell outside, man. We're trying to have a party out of the day, man. That thing going to melt. So I, I, I'm just going to say it's it's on there, Kevin. But for me, this is one of those, like, pralines. Like, you know, it, you know, I, I ain't tripping. I, I ain't losing my mind. I'll take the free sample. I'm not driving, you know, Hundreds, hundreds of miles to get the pralines and ice cream cake. So, hey, to all you ice cream cake fans out there, I know y'all gonna be at tweeting me. It's at <laughs> and gravy. If you don't know, <laughs> but no, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge fan of the ice cream cake. Yeah, I mean it's good. I, I think it's one of those things. Like if you got it, I'll eat it. But as you said, I'm not seeking it out. I think that's a good way to do it. As you said, if you said name your favorite desserts. I think ice cream cake would be one of those that unless it was like July 4th or one of those times where it was just roasting outside, I might not think of it at all. It's not, it's not, it's not, a t- it's not a type of dessert. You know how you go to, you know how you go to somebody's house or you go to somebody, you having to get together or cook out a barbecue and somebody got a type of dessert that everybody, and they yell it out. Hey, they got so-and-so over here. You go, what? That, <laughs> to me, that's not ice cream cake. Yeah. Like, somebody go, you got ice cream cake? Yeah. And somebody go, they ain't have nothing else. What you mean? Like they have ice cream or... <laughs> Like you said, Kevin, that's one of those, if that's all you got, let's rock. But it's a pantheon of, of desserts out there, people. We don't got we don't we don't, we don't we don't got to make this difficult. That's take three. We do it each and every day here at this time. We got more to come. I mean, is NIL could that have an effect on the National Football League? 
We'll talk about that with Ben when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. A lot to get to. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Also, we are streaming live ESPNCoastal.com. And on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, you can follow us uh, there as well at ESPN Coastal on, uh, on YouTube. And go to our YouTube channel and get three and out every day, second down and more. Ben, a lot of talk obviously continues about, you know, NIL deals and, and things of that nature. But uh, just a, a question about NIL deals and where maybe it's headed with the top players. Right, uh, and you have in the last handful of weeks a Tennessee commit uh, get reportedly huge NIL deal. Uh, what in the uh, maybe five six million dollar range? You have now Jaden Rashada, a Miami commit, reportedly going to have an NIL deal in the nine and a half million dollar range. And my question more is if that becomes the going rate to to play ball, so to speak, uh, with the top recruits in the country. How does that affect things in the National Football League, right? I mean, if I'm getting $9 million, uh, to, 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 to I shouldn't say it this way because that's not what it's supposed to be, to play college football, but let me, let's be real. But if I have a deal in place for $9 million while I'm in college, let's put it the politically correct way of doing it. As I said, if you're going to be a backup quarterback, there's backup quarterbacks that don't make that much money. They don't make $3 million potentially a uh, a year. If you're the top running back in college football and you get an NIL deal opportunity for a couple, two, three million dollars, I mean, we've seen it. NFL running backs are a dime a dozen. Right? I mean, you could say, hey, I'm a first round running back. We don't see that too much anymore. Could you potentially be getting more money via NIL to stay in college football? Yes. And that's and I and I think too, Kevin, in the ever in the ever changing world, ever growing world of NIL, that's a huge benefit. The best years of my life were spent at the University of Florida because I got a chance to go to college at one of the best universities, if not the best university in the country. And I didn't make a dime. I did get a great education. I did have some great experiences. But Kevin, think about this. I'm walking away with nine point five million dollars. I'm not telling you how much money I made when I was in the National Football League, but nine point five million. Think about this, Kevin. I mean, think about the live tour for a second. They're giving people money, and it's, and it's not based on how they're going to finish in these tournaments. That's real similar to NIL, because I don't know what they're going to do. They project to do this. I don't know what they're going to do, but the, but, but the, but the 9.5 million means, okay, I'm going to get $9.5 million regardless. Like, I got to be able to have this language to where I say, look, man, is there an injury clause? There's this, is that. But think about this, Kevin. Kevin, most people walk out of college with two things, degrees and debt. That's what they walk out with, right? I'm walking out with $9.5 million, meaning I want to get drafted. Make no mistake about it. But I think it makes me play better. Wait a minute. I got $9.5 million, and then I still want to come back for another year. Can I re-up that contract? This was for three years. What happens if I this is this is three years in an option? So yes, I do think that uh, it's supposed it's supposed to work out uh, in the favor of those athletes, Kevin, to change the narrative. You know how many players, baseball, football, basketball, are vying for certain spots that's very very limited. In football, it's what two hundred and something fifty some guys. Right. In basketball, let's just be honest, it's the first round, and really the top of the first round. So the, the top. 
what, 15, 16 picks. In baseball, I don't know. Because you, unless you Michael Harris, you're going down to AAA, you're going to AA, they're giving you a signing bonus because the money that you're going to be making well, is not going to be sufficient. Right, the signing bonus, I mean, a- after the, the first hand, it's like any other thing, after the first really uh, top rounders uh, of, of the first round, the signing bonus money drops off pretty pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, so, like, if you're, I mean, if you're, if you're down in, you know, rounds 20 to 30, you may get fifteen twenty thousand dollars it's not millions of dollars as a sign but yeah for the top picks uh you know you're going to be in the minor leagues you're, some of them getting one two million dollars uh, byron buxton from baxley georgia i think uh pretty famously when he signed he got two i think 2.2 million dollars signing bonus that'll carry you while you're in the minor leagues yeah, yeah that, 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 so. that, that's a pretty good scratch for you yes you, but i will say this though kevin think about this you know what the secret is too that people don't want to talk about yeah everybody doesn't want to go pro what no, there are there are guys and gals, ladies, gentlemen, who they they want to go to college for free at a big time college university, and they want to live out the rest of their life. Now think about this: you say to yourself, "A dude, most guys want to go pro, or ladies want to go pro, but then when that that dream, listen, the dream either gets bigger as you get to college, or the window gets smaller." Well, if I got money in the bank, right? Because right. that's what we're really talking about. It ain't the money. Listen, it ain't the money you made, people. Like, like people go, I made $100,000 last year. No, no, you did not. Uh, how much money did you make after you paid all your bills? That's how much money you made. Can't li- yeah, you, yeah, you kept the lights on. Yeah, I, I get that part. But if I got $9.5 million coming, and, and somebody should say this, young man, most people in college are broke. We specialize in lint in our pocket. That's what we specialize. That's all we got in there. <laughs> You shouldn't spend most of that money because if I could get $9.5 million, I should be able to get a car deal. I should be able to get... So I think, Kevin, for me, it's supposed to change it. And that's what scares uh, college coaches, NFL coaches, because you ain't got the same leverage. Arch Manning picked Texas. He could have picked anywhere. He he picked Texas because the legacy is Sarkeesian. He, he's not... Man, no, no, they're going to give him the most money. He's a Manning. <laughs> you don't believe me? You don't believe me? Um, Johnny Manziel comes from a well-off family. So he was going to be good. But what he got? He ended up getting going first round and winning the highs. But that's just a bonus. That's just a bonus. What NIL does is it makes you change the framework. Because the only people that you sign contracts are, co- are coaches and assistant coaches. Now, hey, man, I'm signing contracts. For for good, you know, for for just apparel and goods and services or trades and money. So I'm coming out this thing a better businessman. You know what is gonna help? Coaching. Because a lot of guys want to get into coaching. It usually takes them playing for a little while. They fizzle out and they end up going back to school to be a GA. No, I got now forget the 9.5 for a second. Let, let me just stop using the exception. I got I got hundred K, I got two hundred K. I'm 21 years old. My college career is over with. I want to go into coaching. Well, GAs don't make a lot of money, people, if they make anything. All right, coach, I'm, I'm going to give you a year as a GA. I'm right here on campus. I'm good. I don't got the wife and the kids yet. So I so I walked away from college with no debt and 200K. Sound like a good deal to me. And I can tell some stories. I mean, how many national championships you won? Doesn't matter. Check the bank account. <laughs> how many? Well, I mean, you know, because some of this stuff – Kevin, you know, like I know NIL is supposed to push push the conversation because, let's face it, for every five-star quarterback, I can give you 100 of them that's not. For every five-star run, I can give you 100. And guess who's going to get drafted the highest? Though I, I get to pick from the 100. Because the five-star, 
he got a chance to pan out, but he's only one person. What about the other? So get get all you can get. Learn how to budget it. Learn how to save it. Put something in the contract that say, hey, man, I'm only allowed to get 25% of what I get. I get the other 75 once I graduate or something like that because you want to have something to show for. You don't believe me? Allen Iverson signed a contract with Reebok back in the day, and his friend told him to put a clause in it that said, you're going to defer some of your contract. They said he's going to get a check for like $50 million or something when he turns 50. Uh, that's like a good deal to me because I think he's in his mid forties now. Deferred money is deferred yeah. gratification. That's what you want to learn, Kevin. But at the end of the day, get your money because even if I, Kevin, you you walk away, your parents go, "You gonna get my son how much? <laughs> We're gonna get three hundred thousand dollars to do what? To play football? To to play baseball? No, it's for a marketing deal. He, no, it's listen. Come it's on. For, um, no, no, no. When people when people start talking to people and they looking at the person they talking to, trying to get them to mutter, it's for you know the charitable contribution. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a booster. They got the cheese. Hey, get your money though. Nil is forever. I don't really know what to say about it, Kevin, because I still don't know. The, I got a book. I mean, I got a, a game that got nil on it, but it didn't come with no instructions. <laughs> it just a bunch of pictures of, of a bunch of high school players saying all of them got show me the. Show me the money on their shirt. So I I don't know. We, we'll see what happens, but get as much money as you can. And hopefully when the NFL come calling you, a lot more guys say, I'm gonna come back for my for my fourth year, for my fifth year, compared to leaving early. I mean, I'm I, not, I, I, I have no yeah. doubt from that end, Ben, it could be good for college football that you actually keep stars potentially a little longer. I'm not saying the best. I mean, obviously, if you know you're the best player in college football. You're going to get paid as the number one yeah. draft pick. Like, obviously, if you're Aiden Hutchinson or, you know, whoever, and you know, hey, if I ain't going one, I'm going two, you're not staying. But no, if there's a guy, no. bank, if there's a guy saying, hey, you're an all, I mean, because this happens in the draft. You're an all-SEC player. We're looking at maybe third, fourth round money for you. I got my NIL deal that's still got $2 million to kick in if I come back, right? Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and come back. And, 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 so, and, I mean, and, I, I, and, I can see where that would make you don't know, $2 million, that's about, this, that's about, this, that's about what a, a second rounder, I think, is signed for. You're talking about third rounder. And once again, though, once again, I already understand negotiation. You know what else is going to help you do? It's going to help you pick ages better. Cause I've already some of these guys are all oh, this key in. Oh, you better, you better you better check and see how much money you paying your agent, because this is what people don't know. The most money an NFL agent can get, the most they can get of a percentage of your money, three percent. That's the most they can get. Three people going. That's all. Well, yeah, but think about this. So these agents sign these NIL deals, they getting fifteen percent, twenty percent. I'm like, what? So all I'm saying is, people. This person is taking a lot of your yeah. cheese, and, we, and, they, and they show speaking on your behalf, so be hey, careful. They know how to work the deal. That's why they get 30%. We'll come back. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, 3 and Out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. In all seriousness with the uh, NIL stuff, though, Ben, as we get ready to turn the calendar to July in a couple of days, that's hard to believe. It's July almost. SEC media days will be right around the corner. We'll be back to going, which SEC coaches don't like each other? Uh, again, with Nick and Jimbo. I'm sure, you know, Lane Kiffin will be over there stirring it up. 
uh, from uh, from the side. But you know the SEC, obviously a lot to talk about with your teams here uh, coming into this year, Ben. But uh, in just a handful of weeks, it'll be SEC media days, and I would imagine Greg Sankey probably going to be getting a lot of questions about obviously uh, the state of his league, which is in great shape. But I would imagine with it being relatively in terms of the calendar calendar where we had the announcement that Oklahoma Tech, I would imagine he's going to get a lot of talk about, hey, Oklahoma and Texas are going to be in this thing relatively soon, right? I mean, what's, your, what's, the, what's it going to look like? Have you tried? I mean, again, I think it's a legit question. Is there any chance Oklahoma and Texas join sooner than 2025? Absolutely. Kevin, you, you know the like I know, right? Once again. This is the same Greg Sankey, right? That was talking about he was the one he was the one going on behind the scenes trying to get a kind of get a expansion. He was the one that was doing, you know, going to all these different uh, you know, uh, you know, cities and, and the airports trying to get these things done. And nothing ever leaks with him. Nothing ever leaks. He didn't like the fact that he that that uh the powers that be didn't get on board with him, but it didn't, didn't stop him from trying. Kevin, with the momentum of college football, the the most powerful man in college football, in college sports, in Greg Sankey. There is 0% chance, 0% chance that Texas and Oklahoma going to not be in the SEC no earlier. I mean, 2023 might be the earliest. 2024 will be the late. It won't be 2025 because what happens is you look at how much revenue is going to be getting generated. You look at a guy like Arch Manning because this is the thing. They're going to want, they're gonna want Arch Manning to be able to play in the SEC. I know he. I know he's twenty twenty three. I get that part, but it's about it's about momentum, isn't it, isn't it, Kevin? When you start thinking about a guy like Greg Sankey saying, number one, okay, we say Oklahoma, Texas coming to SEC. Look at the Sun Belt team and teams. People saying, what is this going to do to the Big Twelve? So I just think that when you start when you start talking about how, sooner rather than later, number two things. I don't think the college football playoff committee is going to be able to keep going on with this 14 playoff. I don't think that's going to. And Greg Sankey can start saying, all right, y'all, even though I do think it's, I, I just think it's a threat, I don't think they're going to break away because then, Kevin, it's like this. You know, you can go to a restaurant whole life. They let you go in the back. They let you see how they cook the stuff. They let you see how you go, oh, man, I can do this. You think you do it? Yeah. And then you get you a restaurant, you go, what the hell? Mm-hmm. It's a lot to deal with. Sure. Like, so I do think they don't want the headache of the logistic parts because Greg Sankey knows, hey man, I'm one of, I'm I'm one of the only commissioners that, that's actually liked. People speak about people speak highly of me in other in other in other conferences and different things. But I do think that Kevin would are there okay, are there bigger brands than Texas and Oklahoma? Not many. Yeah, not, not many. Yeah. Like Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, that's it. That and that's cross. That's not already in the SEC. I'm saying so. You, I just think that with a guy like Arch Manning saying, "Hey, man, look." I oh yeah no Ben I'm I'm with you. I I think that has some to do with it because obviously there's that's a viewing standpoint. But look, I I just think for the simple fact, and, and people will point to this and say, "Oh, that buyout is huge." Uh, I mean, it is. But buyouts get renegotiated all the time. You know how yeah. we know that? Look at the Sun Belt. Yeah. There were four teams that were uh, not in the Sun Belt last year that are going to be in there this year. Weren't supposed to come this year. Weren't supposed to be there. And was supposed to play this year and said, nope, moving on. Yeah, weren't supposed to be there. Like, oh, the buyout's pretty big. 
Well, how about we just renegotiate that real quick? And we're out. You know, so, I mean, I, look, I, I, I think when it comes down to it, the Big 12, yeah, there's a lot of money that could come back their way, but you you also have to have a strategy of those teams are gone, right? They may still, in your mind, have three years left, but they're gone. They're not going to go out of their way to help you in any way, shape, or form other than, hey, we are going to fulfill the merits of this contract, and we might even try to get out a little early and, and figure it out. And so I, I certainly think that at some point, it might not be two years early, but it might be a year early. I don't see, I don't see, because because Kevin, this is the thing, right? Where's the last time? When's the last time we knew how long uh, teams had contracts remaining? We, we don't <laughs> even know. Like we're not even privy to. Here you go. Oh, oh, what did you say? Oh, they got three years left. Ain't nobody asked you that. You didn't. Oh yeah, Texas, Oklahoma has three years left uh, in the Big Twelve. Why are you selling us that? Because they're coming to the SEC, but they got three years left. There's a listen. Messaging matters when you put these things out, right? Right, Kev. I mean, think about it. It's like it's like when the XFL, the XFL away on the USF, USFL to try to do something. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna be announcing our coaches today. <laughs> oh, we're gonna be. Oh, here you go. What do the USFL do? They're gonna be in Birmingham. We're gonna play in our cities today. Yeah, what a oh, novel concept. But the no, USFL no. commissioner comes out. But I, but I, but I, I will say though, Kevin, Greg Sankey is a little bit too nice though. Like. I don't, I don't know him personally, only because there aren't too many people that has this much momentum and don't really – once again, I don't know what's being done behind the scenes, but Kevin, you know it's going to go like this. Mr. Hancock, when they go to an expense, you're going to say, oh, no, 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 no. Of course we were going to go to eight. Really? <laughs> yeah, of, of course. Like, we just had – because they want to look like they're ahead of the curve, but I do think that you don't got a bigger flex in college football sure. than any brands like Texas and Oklahoma. Now it's how you play those cards. Because the NCAA – great. I mean, Mark Emmert is somewhere going, well, I, I can't even answer phone calls <laughs> at this point. He is still I, not I, in his office. No, look, I, <laughs> I, I agree. Look, I, I think in, you know – Three, four weeks when when they have SEC media days, Greg Sankey's certainly going to be asked about Texas and Oklahoma. I think that's going to be a talking point when it's his turn. Uh, you know, we got all week to talk to all the coaches about their programs. You're the head guy. We know it's happening. I guarantee you somebody's going to say, is there any chance of it happening any sooner? And I, I tend to agree with you. As much intertwined as some of this stuff is, wouldn't be surprised, as you said, if at some point, if it does happen sooner, that, you know, Bill Hancock's like, hey, the college football playoff committee has uh, renegotiated our deal, and we're going to go ahead and move it to X amount of teams earlier than we thought, right? Because how many times do we ask him flat out, Ben? Hey, there's you – know, we got we had two teams, and we went to the playoff situation. We got four teams, and he was always been pretty staunchly like, we're not doing it. Not expanding, not expanding, not expanding. Then it kind of got a little bit closer. It's like, eh, we're thinking about it. We're at least talking about it. And talking about it usually means it's going to happen at some point. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch Greg Sankey because last handful of years, you've had some absolute gems, you know, kind of break there. That was one. Oh, the, the SEC is expanding. Wait, who said that? Who said that? And that was kind of the big news coming out uh, of it last time. Looking forward to that coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got more to come here. It is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It is three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, he has been Troop. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Ben, I saw you tweet about this, so that's why I'm going to ask you about it. Because I was, it was, uh, I, I saw you tweet about this, and I had had a similar conversation uh, before the show with our own Christian Gokel of uh, Second Down, uh, where you said, hey, nothing wrong with a little dust-up talking about the Mariners and Angels. 
uh, going after it. And I actually said before the show, I said, hey, that's what, again, you could say, well, it's corporate time. That's what people like. I'm not saying it has to happen every game, but I, I don't under, like leagues are like, oh, we got to suspend it. Look, I'm not saying it should be all out brawls every single week, but I, I make the correlation. You know, NASCAR had a huge following, got huge, and then. The corporate side of it is like, oh, we can't have folks fighting at the, at the racetrack and, and wrecking each other. We're trying to uh, project an image. And so we'll find guys and we'll try to legislate it out of the sport. And all of a sudden people are like, man, where's all the personalities in, in NASCAR? And I think it's the same thing. I think if I'm Rob Manfred in baseball, I'm like, wink, wink, nod, nod, fights are bad. Do you love that stuff? It's drama. It's soap opera stuff. We love that in our sports. It's why you want to see Team A go against Team B. Man, you see they had an absolute brawl the last time they played. I wonder what's going to happen now. I love it. I love it too, Kevin. I mean, Kevin, I mean, when we talk talking about what's traditional when it comes to baseball, it's not enough dust-ups. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Atlanta Braves, if there's anything, if I have one critique of your team, that is how you do it, especially when they throw at your best player. <laughs> right? You leave the duck out. Both of those guys don't want to fight. No way. It's not going to be that bad. So leave the duck out. Kevin, we don't see that enough, right? It ain't enough dust-ups in baseball. People are too friendly now, man. If you hit me with a baseball, that hurt. If you hit me with a ball, I'm going to hit you with my fist. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All fair is love, love and baseball. No, I mean, I, I don't I'm – I'm just – I'm not, let, you know, putting this just to baseball. I think in all sports, there's nothing wrong – with a little uh, little bit of the temperature gauge going on overheat every once in a while. Right now, if you now you can't have what happened at the Malice at the Palace, like where you're yeah. going up against fans, but I also I think on the court, on the football field, on the baseball diamond, nothing wrong with a little dust-up. Why? It, it, to me, as a fan, it builds drama. Yep. If the Braves go dust it up with the Mets, guess what I'm doing the next time they play the Mets? I'm interested. The next time, I'm interested. I'm, I mean, I'm interested anyway, but that adds to it. I'm not saying you need a fight every time, but it yeah. certainly adds to it. I mean, uh, yeah. Show, listen, show, show a little. Listen, too much. Listen, we need more Yasiel Puig, Bumgard, a little less <laughs> Dan Swanson and Freddie Freeman. Come on, man. Like, it's, <laughs> Kevin, cause my thing is, right, sometimes you need to let teams know we don't like y'all, bro. Like, we don't like y'all. And if you hit one of our batters, it's on. Like, that's it. I don't I have, like it, man. I, I, like, I like it when the arms really think they're going to stop it. They stick their little arm out. Don't care. <laughs> I don't care about your little arm. I'm coming. Let's well, that's kind of, the, I mean, in all, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of baseball. It's like now that you're 26-man rosters, you have what? My math is terrible. 52 dudes plus managers plus, uh, you know, bench staff against four umpires. You ain't stopping nothing if it goes, you know, really, really uh, awry. But, yeah, I, I, I'm for it, man. I, look, I. And it, I, I say it again. Like, I take it my, my cue from the, the NASCAR side of things. It's drama. It's what, it's what, to me, adds to your sport. Now, if it turns into a fight a day with the same teams, okay. But every once in a while, I think it's good for the sport. It adds drama. It adds passion. It's like, as you said, we're not all out there hugging and hanging out. It's like, hey, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Hey, we still good for... Uh, Still good for the steakhouse after the game. We still, uh, you know, when the All-Star break gets here, we still uh, hooking up in the Bahamas for a few days. Like, 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 no, get that out of there. You don't like me. I don't like you. On the diamond, at least, let's, let's go. We got another hour to go. 
here on Three and Out. We'll hear from Bud Ellis. We'll talk Braves baseball. Speaking of, you don't like me. Like It was a love fest with Freddie Freeman. A lot of crying over the weekend. We'll get to that when we come back. Three and Out, Southern Pixie Radio Network. Good to have you back here at Three and Out. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Just talk to us some Braves baseball there with, uh, with Bud Ellis. And obviously a big emotional weekend there with Freddie Freeman coming back to uh, the ATL. And, and Ben, obviously, uh, there's a lot of ways that could have played out. I think all in all pretty nice. A lot of crying, as I said. But look, he's a Braves icon and got his moment to come back, get his ring, talk to the crowd. I uh, talked to the fans and move on, put it behind him, what have you. Uh, we got some comments, Ben. Uh, you know, Lee on Facebook writing, I think Freddie finally realized he won't be loved in L.A. like he is in Atlanta. He wasn't part of building the Dodgers like he was the Braves. I, look, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You put a lot of time, effort, energy into building towards that World Series. And you have said this, Ben, in L.A., he's he's just the next guy. You are you're a great player, but you're the next guy in a long line of great players that the uh, that the Dodgers had. And I thought it was kind of funny. Clayton Kershaw was asking about. It. He's like, "Man, it was you know, special." Obviously, Freddie is a beloved guy in Atlanta, but it was almost like, "Dude, are we are we second fiddle here?" Uh, it's like, "Are you a brave wearing a Dodgers uniform?" Basically, like with as much love as going. On. It was really, it was it was touching, but it was also odd. Like you said, it was like it went on and on. With the with the tributes, and it was like, dude, you're wearing the other uniform. Uh, at some point, I, it was just a strange weekend, and I agree with Lee's point there. I, I think totally fair. Built something in Atlanta, you saw it at the top, but it's almost like you're not there to enjoy the the spoils of that labor. You got the ring, but again, this has kind of been the love fest victory tour for the Braves, especially the first month of the season, right? Yeah, Before Atlanta, yeah. The Braves, where it's like. Hey, we're World Series champs. We're gonna have to, like it has been something to soak in as a Braves fan and a guy looking at it from the outside, looking at it, saying, "Look, it has been a celebration of World Series titles, a uh, World Series title, a good portion of the year for this Braves team." And Freddie really is the last to get in on any of that. I mean, they saw him out in L.A. for a little bit, but you know, you've had the ceremonies, this, that, and Freddie's really kind of that that last guy that didn't get his ring yet. And that, there you go. That's what we saw there in Atlanta this weekend. Yeah, we did, Kevin. And I think I think what Freddie realizes too, uh, you did all you 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 were a part of the building blocks of getting the Braves back to a championship caliber team to actually win it all. And you and you don't get to celebrate it with the people because the game is just as much as about the people you you know your teammates. You know, I mean your managers. You know the general managers. I mean everybody in the organization. But it's the city. It's not. It's not like. It's not. No offense, but it's not like the Atlanta Falcons. They out there in Flowery Branch, and then they come to the city for the games. No, you're engulfed in the city. Well, they got Truist Park. For those of you who don't know, there are parts of Atlanta to where hmm, it wasn't a lot. Of, it wasn't a lot of play, spaces to actually put the stadium. And then when you find one, you got it in the heart. And I think Kevin, when you back in that stadium and you seeing these fans, and as you mentioned, I mean, a bunch of Freddie Freeman jerseys there that that, that night, right? So many people with their cameras out. Because that's the thing, right? With, with such a viral world that we live in, as grown, you know, as grown men that pay bills with children and all this, we don't pull out our phones that much. It was more grown men that was born in the 70s and early 80s with their phones out, say, I'm going to this game. I want to see Freddie Freeman. He's the reason why either I became a Brave or he cemented my love for the Braves. And he's realizing, Kevin, 
hey man, it's bittersweet. Like I'm not, I'm not traveling with this team anymore. I'm not going on the road with them because I think sometimes, you know, the great fifty cent said, man, Pletcher wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. He dealt with a lot of pain when he was with the Braves to finally get there and leave. Because no matter how you slice it, he left. I respect Freddie Freeman. Love Freddie Freeman. Freddie Free, that man is gonna be is gonna go down as one of the greatest Braves of all time. But Kevin, when somebody looks, they're gonna say, "How does that? No, how does gave him the highest paid? I mean, the big, the biggest contract, you know, uh, for a first baseman in MLB history." And he said, "No, I think the the wanting to get that big payday kind of went to Freddie Freeman's head because now I'm like, look, the the you know." For the life of that contract with the with the with the you know uh with the Dodgers, he ain't making nowhere as near as he would have made in Atlanta. But even to that point, he started realizing this team is still good, this team is still vibing, even with the new guys on the team, and you can't beat this. The thing about pro sports in, in the state of Georgia, I get you, Atlanta United fans. May God bless y'all. I don't know y'all. <laughs> uh but the break, but the Falcons, the Hawks. We don't we don't really see eye to eye. You got some Falcons fans, you got some Hawks fans. When it comes to these boys right here, we see eye to eye. Like every, I, I mean, anywhere in the surrounding areas, you are a Braves fan. And the thing is, for them to finally do it, Freddie Freeman, I said, dude, come on, Freddie, man. Like, and we kept saying to Kevin, hey man, let's you might want to go ahead and sign Freddie Freeman. He's coming off MVP, he's balling going to the World Series. Sure. But if took care of him based on how, you know, but I just think that he all it all came to the forefront, Kevin, because people are like, dude, he, he's all choked up. Yeah, man, because it's a flood of emotion. You thinking, I'm in the I'm in the visitors locker room? Yeah. They gotta give me my ring. Yeah. You want you want to go out west. And the guy that was out west who grew up probably, you know, idolizing you, is now on the Braves, playing just as well. So Clay Kershaw was like, dog, no, like he he married us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the one he wanted, though. Like that's the the Braves are the one that got away. And but, you know, but I mean, know, like, like I said, I I I I think at the, in his heart of hearts, he probably never thought it would come to the to the uh, the tipping point that it got to. Um, you know, in the light of day, I think the Braves made a very fair deal. Uh, is he getting more physical dollars? Yes, but uh, I mean, not really. At the end of the day, uh, from. Uh, from the deal that Atlanta offered. And to me, the whole thing was, it was nice, but it was also odd because you've never seen an athlete do that, right? You've never seen an athlete go back and just have a complete emotional over. I don't want to say it was a, a breakdown, but it's just a, an overwhelming emotional response to just walking in the press room. Right. I mean, I've never seen, I've never seen an athlete come back and say, man, I'm back in the press room and it just, Darn good to see you guys. You know, it's like, it, and that's just, I guess, what makes Freddie Freeman different. I mean, I could expect it a little bit on the field pregame. You get your ring. First time you've been outside of the World Series parade. First time you've been in the stadium. Okay, I kind of get that. But it was just like, then you go, it's like, we love Brave Country. We miss you guys. Like, and you could have been here. And that, to me, that was kind of the, and, and maybe that's what makes it more emotional. Right? Is that yeah? you probably could have still been here. It was yeah. because, wow. and again, I think that's one of those things, uh, Ben, where you went to Alex Anthopoulos, you didn't, your agent didn't, and gave him an ultimatum. And if there's one thing you know about guys in sports, Ben, you know this: general managers are paid to be non-emotional. 
Doesn't mean we don't like you. But the bottom line is, you did did you really just come at me with a, you got one hour to make a decision? No, 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 no. We're not doing that. So if this guy's serious about calling us to the mat over, uh, in our minds, a little bit, Okay. Hey, wait, wait, hey, wait, we're going to say no thank you and Matt Olson's on his way to Atlanta. I mean, I, and, and this is my fault too. Because I, I, I said, okay, let me let me go check on Matt Olson's contract. <laughs> yeah. Compared to Freddie Free. So Freddie Free signed a six year, $162 million deal with, with LA. Matt Olson signs a, a eight year, $168 million deal. That's a difference of about $6 million. Like, Twenty-one million, twenty-seven million, yeah. But when it's all breaking down, that twenty-seven million for Freddie Free goes way down. We talking about taxes. So essentially, this came down to a year. This came down to a. And that, my, but, Jeff, it's, something, it's something you kept saying. If Freddie Freeman hasn't earned five year and an option, nobody. You don't think they would have gave him that extra year at the end? And no, I'm I mean, not, I, I honestly think it, it would be one of those things where you get to the end of the five year deal, and Freddie would have been what 37, 38? Hey, how are you playing? Okay, maybe am I all-star caliber at 38 years old? Maybe not. Am I still a good player at 38 years old? If the answer is yes, then I the, the Braves would probably give him a year. If he even if he wasn't a great player, yeah, and Freddie yeah. said, I want to play another year, I think the Braves would have said, Okay, obviously you're not the player you were at 38. Who is? You know, I, even Chipper Jones obviously was not the player at 40 that he was at 21 or 22. Look, I think the I'm not saying it would have gone on in perpetuity, but I think at some point with all the other stars you have, right? Acuña, Albies locked in. Matt, uh, well, not Matt Olson. Albies locked in. You have take the Matt Olson potential money a little bit away, and you're probably talking about locking up Dansby and or Austin Riley. Michael Harris is going to be able to play for a while before you have to give him a new deal, but you have some you have some core there. I think the Braves would have looked at it and said, hey, you're 39 years old. Ronald Acuna is 29. We can afford to give you a contract for what you want to play another year. Okay, we'll get well, another year. And if it works out, we'll give you another year. You're not going anywhere, Freddie. Don't worry about it. That, like that, I think that's what the deal would have come down to. Like, Freddie, yes. look, you've been here for, at that point, 17 years. Don't worry about it. Right? Like, we're going to take care of you. You're going to retire a legend. Look at what we did for guys like Jeff Francourt. If you want to be a part of the organization, we'll make you be a part of the organization. And I think that's what slipped away in the essence of a one-hour ultimatum over what turned out to be not a big deal. Because I still believe... At all. Listen, when, when people start saying, Ben, what are significant differences in money? I said, well, you got to look at where the money is going. When Kawhi Leonard signed a big deal to go from Toronto to L.A., he lost a significant amount of his money because of where he was going. $27 million compared to, in L.A. compared to $21 million in Georgia. The $21 million in Georgia is much more significant than that of in L.A. And like you said, Kevin, if anybody has earned the benefit of that, it's Freddie Freeman. It's like, I guarantee Freddie Freeman's age will like, dude, I don't think we thought this through. What do you mean? Because... Well, I think it's heart, Ben. I, I don't even know if Alex Anthopoulos, if that's how, if, and that's how it's been reported, it went down. I think I would have loved to have been in the room when he hung up the phone with Freddie's agent. It'd be like, did, did that dude really just say I got an hour to decide? Like, we're, we're going to get this done, right? Like, but he gave me an hour? And we're talking about one year? They know our position? Like, 
we're going to take care of Freddie Freeman. We gave him a great – like, did he really just pick up the phone and say you got an hour to decide? Like, come on. Like, I, I think if you had a moment of – I think Alex Anthopoulos was probably taken back as much by yeah. that as, uh, you know, as, as the whole thing. So, I, you know, look, I, I love Freddie Freeman. I thought the whole thing was kind of overdone on the drama as far as, you know, hey, everything's bringing me to tears. I get it. But, look, I, I think at the end of the day, what Chipper Jones said after it was all said and done was like, look, I told Freddie, you don't want to play this game. If you want to be an Atlanta Brave, you will be an Atlanta Brave. That was the Chipper Jones quote when it was all said and done. Like they, and so I think there are certain fans that say, we love you, but you get with the, you come in with all the emotions like, we love Atlanta. You're like, go back to what Chipper, if you wanted to be an Atlanta Brave, you would have been an Atlanta Brave. The Braves would have taken care of you. That was the experience that that Chipper Jones had as well. So uh, to me, that's what I took from the whole week. I was like, we love Freddie Freeman, but you moved on. You moved on to uh, to L.A. And again, when you talk about icons, is Freddie Freeman a great player? Yes. Is his number going up on the on the outfield wall? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's tough. I mean, going up on the, that's tough. Like like I say, Kevin. I mean. Freddie Freeman make us care about the contract negotiations because we didn't. If, if you would have told me that one player was going wasn't going to be a brave for life, I would say, "Oh, it's definitely going to be Freddie Free. He's been here too long already." And they're taking and and for those people to understand, taking care of you twelve years in that's a rarity. Like this is twelve years in, and you're still playing your best baseball. Which the baseball is the one sport you yeah. can mature as a baseball player as you get older. I, I get that part, but we was making you the highest paid first baseman. <laughs> yeah. Like, so when people say they didn't take care of him, what? Yes, that's listen. That BJ Bennett way of thinking. I'm telling y'all, people, y'all get, listen, man. Come down from the clouds, yeah. man. And once again, this ain't Alice Anthopoulos' money. He's negotiating. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we've got more to come. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Braves off tonight. They got the Phillies tomorrow as they sit five games behind the Mets for uh, first place in the NL East. So, uh, all in all, a, a decent little homestand, uh, Ben. Now you get, I think, Bryce Harper just uh, the same day Acuna fouled a ball off his foot. Bryce Harper got hit with a pitch, and I think some people saying he might be done uh, for the season uh, if he requires surgery. So, you might get a Bryce Harper. You're gonna get a Bryce Harperless Phillies uh, coming up, and uh, continue to try to chip away at that uh, Mets lead there in the East. Ever a fan of people getting hurt? But if Bryce Harper can't play, hey man, go and get all the rest you need, <laughs> sir. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I think these uh, these pitches are too uh, skilled with throwing the baseball. Man, you should be. You know, if you're gonna hit them. You know, aim at the ribs or the leg or whatever they hit him at. Even though I'm not, I'm not, I'm never a fan. If anything, if Kevin, there's ever a surefire way to get hands put on you, you are throwing a, a object at me going over 80, 90 miles an hour. Hey, bro, I might limp to you, but I'm coming to you. <laughs> even if it's, I'm telling you, that hurt, man. That hurt bad. But well, Bryce Harper, man, you definitely have a hoping for a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Hey, look, absolutely. But again, as you said, not my problem if he can't play when the Braves play him uh, as well. Love to see him play, uh, but. Hey, if we miss him this time around, that's okay. That's okay too. 
That's okay, too. Again, Braves continue to play well. And again, Ben, we got the All-Star break coming up in a couple weeks where you really start to narrow in on, on where you're at. Something we talked about with Bud. You potentially could improve your team without making a trade, with guys just getting help uh, coming off the, uh, the injured list. So, uh, you know, Mike Soroka, and I've heard people say, would you go a six-man rotation? Because Spencer Strider way up there in innings as far as uh, he's if he continues at this pace, he's going to blow way by the amount of innings he's ever pitched in one season uh, before. But you get Soroka back, you don't necessarily want to put him 90 to nothing in there as well. Could you, you know, buy innings uh, potentially coming up and have a rotating fifth starter with, with one of those two guys? And you're going to get some bullpen pieces back uh, in the coming weeks. Eddie Rosario on a rehab assignment. He's coming back to help out your lineup. I mean, do you need to make a move? I mean, obviously, every, every option is open, but you could be adding by doing nothing other than let guys get healthy. Yeah, Kevin, I mean, it's a good problem to have. I mean, at a certain point, I don't know when Ozzie, uh, I don't know how many days he's already been in, when he's going to come back. You mentioned Rosario. I think because Mike Soroka's been out for so long, Kevin, what is the real expectation when he does, when he is actually able to pitch? Like, he's going to be on a pitch count just from a, a monitoring standpoint, but I don't think you can ever have enough starting pitching. If you, and even if they're only going to add to whatever you already have, if they are going to make a move, I'd rather it be starting pitching because it's not like you know Mike, Max Freed. And you talking about Strider? I mean, you talking about you know it's an AJ mentoring company. I do think that you know Ian Anderson is going to come around, but whatever you can add, you know, uh, starting pitching to a ball club that's already loaded. Go ahead and make that move because, Kevin, you know somebody's going to be looking to dump these contracts. And if you <laughs> only have to pay half. Hey, man, I'll David justice that thing. I'll, I'll pay I'll pay half. You pay the other half. I'm not paying the whole thing now. Yeah, no, I'll get rid of it for you, but you're going to have to pay 10. We'll pay the other four. Yeah, discount uh, discount uh, prices <laughs> uh, there at the, uh, at the trade deadline. we got more to come here. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here 3 and Out on this Monday. I'm Kevin Thomas. He's been Troop. Glad you're with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. No Braves baseball tonight as they, uh, everybody needs a day to recover from the Dodgers series. You know, with all the, uh, <laughs> with all the, uh, the fanfare and all the, uh, the things that went on, everybody needs a day. Just take a day, get all the Freddie Freeman tributes out your system and, and go back to playing baseball. I mean, I, listen, at first, Kevin, I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to miss Freddie Freeman. And two hours later, I was like, if they don't hurry up and start this game. <laughs> I'm going to be asleep in a minute. <laughs> Freddie, Freeman, Freddie Freeman made a bad decision. Hey, man, the grass ain't always greener, man. That's artificial turf out there in LA, man. That ain't real grass, man. It's all good, Freddie Freeman, man. Hey, man, everybody can't be with the squad, but we appreciate your contribution. Absolutely. Got the World Series ring on top of it to boot. And even left town with a couple of wins over the Braves. So, again. Congrats to Freddie Freeman. Braves off there going to Philadelphia this week uh, to take on the Phillies, try to chip into that Mets lead a little bit. And then at the end of the week, man, we're talking June already. I mean, July. I said, I want it to still be June. Good grief. It's going to be July. July 4th weekend coming up uh, this week. Time to start getting uh, the road to winning the division. Really cranked up. Also, July brings college football media days, which means the season is not far behind uh, for college football as well so looking forward to that we got more to come later this week uh join us tomorrow on the show looking forward to it uh to having you along as the braves on the road and we'll hit that some football talk for you as well if you miss any portion of the show espncoastal.com go to youtube ESPN Coastal on youtube you get the uh, the daily podcasted video version of the show and we'll see you tomorrow on three and out